0: Welcome, to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve, and
1: I'm Matt, my
0: navigator here to the right. Yes, this was the first time you watched this film. How'd you, How'd you like it? We'll get into that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this.
2: Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite.
0: This week, we're watching Flight of the Navigator, 1986, picked by you guys.
1: Yeah, as voted on by you in our little poll that we put up a few weeks ago.
0: Yeah, this one is a lot of fun from my childhood, so let's, let's get the details going here. We've got, like I said before, this is from 1986. It was directed by Randall Kleisler.
1: He also directed a little film called Grease. Yes, and huh? we get a little Grease cameo in this movie as well with the the song in the car early on.
3: You're the one that I want?
1: Yeah. Gonna, you want me to sing the whole song for you? Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he also did Blue
0: Lagoon and Big Top Pee Wee. He did a lot of other films, but those are the ones I wanted to write about.
1: Well, Pee Wee's in this movie, so there's that connection as well. Wait, he is? Well, Paul Maul is in this movie, but <laughs> Paul Rubens is in this movie. <laughs>
0: Uh, We've also, this is written by Michael Burton, he did the screenplay, and he really doesn't have many other credits. And that's kind of a theme here with the writers. We've got two others, Mark H. Baker, again, not much there, and Matt McInnes, who did the second screenplay, and there's not many credits there. But I believe this Mark, or this Matt McInnes guy is the one who's kind of keeping the dream alive of doing another film. Interesting. Yeah, we'll get into that in the behind the scenes. We've got starring Joey Kramers as David Freeman, and he only has about seven acting credits. He's definitely Canadian, if you didn't know.
1: And one mugshot.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah, again, behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> um, he debuted in like TV, Runaway, and all this was like Canadian stuff. He's great in this movie, though. Yeah, he's.
1: I think he should have stayed with the acting. I, I, I mean, it. As much as being like a little kid actor, yeah, he's great in this. No,
0: yeah, he had great uh, screen presence. Uh, then we've got Paul Rubens, but he's not credited as that. He's actually credited as Paul Mall. No clue why, but the man is a worker. Hundred and eight credits to his name. And if you haven't heard of Pee Wee Herman, you should probably just stop this and go to YouTube and check him out.
1: I, I mean, we're doing a we're doing a podcast on VHS. I think uh, I think we're speaking to the Pee Wee Herman generation. <laughs> I mean, I watched it as a kid. Me too. Yeah.
0: That I, what I really remember that is that bonkers intro and outro of that show.
1: Yeah. Uh, the set, the puppets, everything. It's, it's that uh, late 80s, early 90s childhood. Oh, wow, it's insane.
0: Sure. All that stuff. Then we've got, uh, also starring in this, Cliff DeYoung as Bill Freeman. Uh, he's the dad in this. He's got 138 credits to his name and you probably know his face cuz you've seen it in a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah, I he's like he's like a like a Clancy Brown. I like instantly recognize his name and face, but I I know him more as Clifty Young than Clifty Young from whatever, you know, I don't know necessarily what he's all been in, but I just know that I know who he is. Uh, a devil just got its wings when every
0: time you mention Clancy Brown's name. Oh, beautiful. Good. Yeah, I, Clancy
1: Brown. Clancy Brown. Can't Jesus. talk enough about him.
0: You're making too many there. <laughs> uh, we've got Veronica Cartwright as Helen Freeman. She beats all of them in credits. I looked her up on IMDb 144. That's a working woman. Nice. Yeah, and I'll, of course, always remember her as Lambert from Alien. Yeah. That terrifying scream when the alien rips right out of the chest. Yeah. Oh, God! <laughs> yeah, She's great. She's
1: great in everything.
0: Uh, and then, of course,
1: Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah. Early. Square Pegs, yeah. Sarah Jessica Parker. Mm-hmm.
0: Sex in the City, Ed Wood. And, yeah. of course, her new show, HBO's Divorce, which yeah. is real. Oh. I-, I watched the show, but depressing.
1: Oh, I wanted to watch it. I, l- I like stuff like that.
0: No, it's, it's good, but depressing. It's one of those. You know, you gotta be in the mood. Gotcha. And who's, uh, who's she married to? Uh, my <laughs> enemy. Your arch nemesis. Matthew Broderick. Bueller. Um, oh no, I, I thought. I only know him from a certain movie that I saw not too many weeks ago. What was that called? I can't recall. Uh, Woman Bird? <laughs> Something
3: like that. Ladyhawk!
0: Ah, that would be sucked. Yeah, I wonder how many people actually disagree with us on it. Probably everybody. I just shat on so many people's (laughs) childhoods. Uh, And uh, we had a budget here of nine million dollars. It grossed eighteen point six in the U.S. and Canada. It was only in the U.S. and Canada theaters. Don't know why it didn't get an international one, but it recouped its money.
1: Yeah. But this thing tore it up on home video. That's our. That's our like sort of theme for the every accidentally one the, too yeah every single one of these movies all end up doing well on video we we do the movies that do well on video that's our tagline that's
0: yep that's it so let's show you the trailer here and then when we come back we're gonna rent this thing
2: when you're just growing up every day is a new discovery but nothing david freeman has ever experienced will prepare him for the adventure that lies ahead sit down
3: I think there's been some sort of mistake.
2: Your brain contains data necessary to get me and my friends home.
3: I'm just a kid.
2: You are the navigator. Walt Disney Pictures presents a new adventure fantasy.
3: What are you doing?
2: Above and beyond the ordinary. Take
3: me back.
2: Okay. Oh, no. Of the navigator. Do something. You're the navigator, not me.
3: Twenty thousand feet and falling. Come on, one of these has to start.
2: His mind is the key to an adventure on the most fantastic hot rod in the universe. A story of a spaceship. That flying saucer's first rate. Be cool, dudes. A friendship.
4: I'm gonna
3: miss
2: you. I'm going to miss you too. And an experience beyond imagination. Don't you wanna take a turnpike? I'm the
3: navigator.
2: Flight of the Navigator. Disney's new adventure fantasy.
0: Little Steve's gonna stroll into the VHS store this time because little Matt is at home little sick. Yep. Under he, the weather. He's still got a cold. But I'm gonna I'm gonna adventure out there like Indiana Jones into the jungle of plastic. And I'm going to grab us Flight of the Navigator right here. Now, this, I actually have an original copy from 1986. Uh, n- none of these re-releases that we usually have.
1: Yeah, uh, I feel like I bring in the uh, re-releases because I'm, I'm, I'm the baby. Uh, but you, you lived through the Flight of the Navigator. I did. I used to take this to my grandma's all the
0: time when she babysit me, pop this in. It's like, oh, you're watching your Alien movie, huh?
1: <laughs> nice.
0: It's it's Max, Grandma, Max. (laughs) Uh, So it's got the Disney title right on the front here and these really cool 80s font, Flight of the Navigator. Kind of, you know, if you look at it, it's got that futuristic fantasy, like sharp edges and everything. It's a
1: very Masters of the Universe. Oh, good one. Yeah, that's a good point.
0: And then we've got our main star right here, David, on the front cover with the... Puck, Puck Marin, alien. Yeah. And we've got Max, the actual ship computer thing. I don't even know what he is.
1: Yeah. But it, definitely using everything to sell the movie, like cute little alien thing. And then futuristic sci-fi. Like as a kid, I'd want to see this. Oh yeah. No doubt. It's been just looking at that little alien right there. And it's like done
0: sold. And they put it right in the center with yeah. their, like big googly eyes.
1: Cause of, like, I'm cause this is, uh, this kid's supposed to be 12. If I'm 12 and I see this, I'm like, yup, this is for me. We've got the tagline right below it. Take off on the ultimate fantasy adventure. And I, I think that lives up to its name for like a kid. Yeah, I mean, it is a fantasy adventure film. Uh, this one's interesting too because it has the white border. So you've got the yes. image in the middle and the white border. I feel like that was like a Disney thing back in the 80s. Plus we have the 80s horizontal stripe shirt.
0: Yes. Yes. I feel like I probably had this shirt. Well, this
1: is back now, too. You could wear this right now.
0: Oh, Let's yeah, because in. the 80s are... It's rad again. Yeah. Everything's rad. On the back of this right here, I got some uh, good still shots of them, like at NASA. We've got the ship. We've got a nice production still of David entering the ship.
1: And then it's flying right there on the Golden Gate Bridge. What's our what's our little plot description for this
0: guy? David Freeman is an ordinary boy destined for the most extraordinary adventure. Aboard a spectacular futuristic spacecraft, after a mysterious disappearance, David returns, possessing vast, undiscovered knowledge about the farthest reaches of the universe. With these sudden navigational powers, David is able to take the fantastic flying machine anywhere he desires. Accompanied by both his wisecracking robotic Commander Max, Commander Max, and an assortment of bizarre extraterrestrial creatures embark on a fun-filled, fast-paced journey of fantasy and adventures as David takes off in the flight of his
1: lifetime. The New York Times said, May well be the best family film around. People said, Out of this world fun for adults as well as children.
2: Woo! PG.
1: (laughs) PG, even though we do get one
0: nice cuss word. Again, we'll get into that later on, but I do remember that as a kid. You yeah, we get a shit in there.
1: You just ruined it. What have you done? I wanted to say shit really bad.
0: <laughs> uh, we get Walt Disney home video, license for private home, all that good stuff. I, I did notice mine is distributed cassette from Canada. And we'll talk about that when we get into the actual trailers. So I'm thinking the original one had a Canadian
1: distribution that like trickled down to the U.S., yeah, we, we've talked about that before. We've seen stuff uh, that was the Canadian release that we've watched because they still end up here anyway.
0: Uh, I'd like to also point out running time, 89 minutes, which it doesn't match up with the new releases, which have 90 minutes. So yeah, there's one extra minute of footage in the new stuff. No, there's not. There's
1: <laughs> They're trying to sell it as a 90 minute movie they're
0: lying to us uh we also get uh stereo this time instead of the mono
1: oh yeah
0: yeah so we the two, audio was, two
1: channel yeah
0: the audio was better in this one but
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, how many mono ones have we watched um i i think only a couple because uh a lot of the 90s stuff is already in stereo so probably just the 80s stuff that we
0: watched okay so we're gonna rent this we're gonna take this home pop it in the vcr coming soon to video cassette. We don't have many trailers for this. We did get one, which is The Great Mouse Detectives. Yeah, um, I've seen this movie. You haven't seen it. No, this surprised me. I remember the villain from it and the, kind of the Sherlock Holmes feel, but no, I have not seen this.
1: Oh, it's it's cute. It's fun. I remembered it. Uh, going back and watching the trailer uh, sparks some memories of watching it as a child. I think I, w- I watched that tape a whole ton. Uh, that'd be fun to go back and revisit someday.
0: Yeah, it must be the... Kind of return to the mouse. Rescuers? Rescuers. Yeah. Now, I've seen Rescuers and Rescuers Down Under. Kind of like the return to Disney where they did the mice again. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Basically. Yeah. But uh, I, I like it. It's cute. Okay. And then what did we have after that uh, little so, Disney bumper?
0: This is interesting. And again, this is very Canadian, I believe, where it said, Do you enjoy this film? If you do, ask your video store for more rentals of Disney's collection. Where you? I kind of was like, wait, what? Yeah. So That's kids, awesome. kids of the '90s and 2000s, and now back in the '80s, we had to actually go up to a person and ask them to get movies in the rental shop. Yes. It, it was one of the. This is very nostalgic because I actually remember talking to people and like, do you have this movie? And they'd be like, no, but we can put it on an ordering form and then you would come like two weeks later. Cause that's how long shipping took back then. Yeah, yeah. And they would actually like, Here, we've got the movie you wanted to rent and it would you're like, Wait, what?
1: Yeah yeah blow I, your mind i remember this too because this is still around they were still doing this in the the 90s too you know all the way all the way probably up to the 2000s. you're a liar only us 80s kids had this nah man i had this too <laughs> i remember yeah you would just go up to him and be like hey do you have this movie and they'd be like no but we can get it and i was like the power <laughs> <laughs> the power is mine <laughs>
0: Yeah, it was so cool. I remember that stuff. And then they'd also give you suggestions. And I love how that's also sort of returned in a weird way when you go to these, uh, I don't know, Bucket of Blood, how they've got little notes of like someone who reviewed it. We suggest the staff suggests this. I love how that's returned.
1: Yeah, I think any, I think the places that still sell videos, you know, whether they're on VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, whatever, places that uh, outside of like the Best Buys and the Walmart's uh, specialty shops that still sell movies tend to do this because it's a holdover from that era, and I love it. I'm glad yeah. I'm glad it's still around. And I'm sure if we went up to the counter at one of those places and said, "Hey, what can you recommend?" We would sort of get that experience again. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, you ready for the feature presentation.
0: Yeah, let's get to it. Yeah, yeah, break it down. And now, our feature presentation. Well, we start off with a nice little Frisbee tournament, but did you like how it had the Frisbee
1: flying, you know, kind of like the flying saucer feel? Yeah, yeah, it started off and then the dog catches it and you're like, oh, we're in modern day, but we're not modern day, we're in 1978. Yes, get it straight. But, yeah, the... Okay, so before we get too too into this movie, I will say I've never seen this, ever. Uh, And I don't have the sort of nostalgia that everyone that grew up loving this movie had. I liked the movie. I'll say that. I thought it was really cute. I thought it was a fun movie. Why are Um, you a monster? But (laughs) I'm not going to be nice. If there's something weird or something like that, Uh, I'm going to call it out. Uh, So the first thing... Little long on the dogs, like that scene went on forever, and I was like, "Is this movie just about dogs?" Like,
0: yes, yes. It's actually just about frisbees, dogs, and then how to train them.
1: Yeah, no, like that scene went on for a long
0: time. But you had to admit, like, right when the theme came on, the weird synth theme, I just like it. Just nostalgia just trickled down upon me. I was like, oh, "It's back," because I hadn't probably watched this in ten years. And that I, I can't do the theme, but I yeah. just remember it.
1: Yeah, Alan Silvestri, who's like uh, Zemeckis' guy, did the score for this. Uh, and it's a good score. Uh, but uh, like when it's when it's like the Navigator theme, which I think is what comes in during the credits. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really really fun. Uh, but the sort of like scene by scene score is very E.T., very John Williams E.T. Yeah, I can definitely see that. So we
0: get David here in the tournament. Now, I, I went and uh, I have the second site. This is a U.K. company that did the Blu-ray of this. So I went through and also listened to the commentary. So I've watched this twice in the past week. So I've got some knowledge. It's really funny. So this tournament was specifically put together for this movie. Nice. Yeah, they just talk to a company, and they're like, hey, yeah, we'll do an entire tournament for you.
1: Well, that's why the fucking thing lasts for 10 minutes, because they paid for it, and they made this whole thing. They were like, we're going to milk it. Well, actually, life. yeah, when they edited it, they
0: came back, and they're like, oh, we don't have enough of the tournament. And they're like, okay, go shoot some dogs in the park. And they're, occasionally, that's why you have random dogs just running. That makes sense. <laughs> we need this longer. <laughs> we got to fit this theme in. <laughs> yeah, Man. A lot of dogs early on. <laughs> and I, I love how it's David and his dog sucks at catching a frisbee. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just throws the frisbee and the dog's like, yeah.
1: bruiser. <laughs> a cute dog.
0: Uh, the commentary also, <laughs> the director wanted you to know, like, actually, if you want to train your dog into how to catch frisbee, first you have to feed them their dog food in the frisbee. And I. At first, I was like, oh, God, it's one of these commentaries.
2: <laughs>
0: I expected him to be like, and the type of food you should sell, like he just plugs dog food. Oh, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> but he didn't. Uh, uh, it, actually, it was, a, it was a pretty good commentary. It starts out a little slow. They don't quite know what to say. But then later on, he gets into some really good nuggets of knowledge. So it was a good one. It was from the director and the producer, uh, Jonathan Sanger even though the director was talking most of the time. Uh, I remember the tournament and he's just like, "I'm going to teach you to catch this frisbee whether it kills me." Then we get a shot of maybe the lowest blimp. Oh. We get a shot of maybe the lowest blimp I've seen where the shadow comes across them, and again another like UFO yeah, moment. I mean, they're they're definitely selling this hardcore for kids. You're like, "Kids, this is about aliens." Yeah, it's going to get really sci-fi here. Uh, they I mean, even do it again when David, after they get home, and I'll talk about that with the water tower. But we get, we get the the family going home. He's fighting with the little brother. Uh, he's fighting and with the they, little brother. They drop the little brother off at the friend's house. And the little brother to me is adorable. Just want to pinch his little cheeks. Yeah, yeah.
1: You have a chubby little kid with glasses. It it's perfect. Im- immediately in my heart. So. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, they drop him off. They get home. And there's an interesting song playing on the radio in that
1: car. Yeah, that's what? the
0: grease moment
1: that I was talking <laughs> about earlier. And I love it. They're playing the song and then the dad just slams the door on it. You know, like the, the song cuts off. It's our. Uh, it's our i don't want to wait from uh urban legends moment in this yeah just slam that thing yeah.
0: I, I was wondering if the director was kind of like oh yeah
1: movies in the past <laughs> yeah yeah I, I actually had no idea that this was the same director as uh greece but i i thought it was just in there because it was like what's something that's very 1978 and i was like well yeah greece that's when that came out like of course it's super 1978 but no it's the same director so it's pretty funny
0: we also get an 80s moment when. David leaves the house and he's 12 years old and they're like, yeah, just leave the house. Go wherever you want in the middle of the woods. And I was like, oh, that doesn't happen nowadays. That was that was 80s and 90s
1: kids fun where the parents were just like, yeah, go wherever you want. Go outside, yeah. Well, he's going to pick up the brother. So, yeah, yeah. We, they've dropped off the brother. He's going to go pick him up and he's walking through the woods to go pick him up. And then the, the brother is also in the woods. Cause he jumps out and scares him. Yeah, and it's like, man, these two kids are just able to roam around. That well, that never happened. That's what I
0: did as a kid in the middle of the country.
1: You're just like, oh, we're gonna go play in the creek
0: for like eight hours. <laughs> There's no communication nowadays. You got kids with phones. They probably have like chips in their neck. Yeah, they go out in a bubble suit.
1: <laughs> and like, I mean, I, I grew up. I grew up in the city. I grew up in in Chicago, and like. We still were out you know, like busy streets and like hot, playing by the highway and shit <laughs> what it was it's you couldn't do it now, there's no way, and like I'm not even saying like like, oh, kids are. Kids are soft today or whatever. I'm not saying it because if I had a kid, I'm not going to fucking let him play in the middle of a busy street.
0: You be that disgruntled old
1: man back in my day. Yeah, you got to go play out in the Dodge cars like (laughs) we used to.
0: I know. I think about getting on my bicycle and then riding on these old streets with just two lanes and like, Nowadays, I look at the bike lanes and I'm like, "Back in my day."
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> this is a different kind of nostalgia that's <laughs> turned into. It. Went from like, "Hey, remember this cute movie?" to like, "Fucking, we used to be able to go outside when we were kids." <laughs> now they just play on their damn iPads.
0: <laughs> so yeah, I love it when the he, he gets the crap scared out of him, so to speak. Uh, and then we get a water tower like lurking in the background a really low water tower which i loved because the director's like well you know it kind of has that eerie alien feel to it i'm like yeah you're it's getting really eerie here because then david comes back to the house and you notice the house is slightly different and the director he's like yeah we put a plant in front of it (laughs) i love it he's just so honest he's like yeah we made it look different so we put a plant there that's
1: funny (laughs) Yeah, I, at the moment, at the moment when uh, he's walking through the woods, he sees the water tower. His brother scares him. He falls in the little creek. I that's when uh, I got the super Spielbergy vibes from this movie. Uh, so it, I I told Steve when we were gonna start this, this movie reminded me of like Disney doing Spielberg.
0: Yeah, we'll get into the behind the scenes about how Disney got into it. But when you mentioned it, I was like, well,
1: yeah. Like, yeah, 1986. I mean, this is the height of Amblin. All, I mean, Spielberg is probably kicking out a movie every other month. So, uh, and if he wasn't, he was presenting it. Well, that's a, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like uh, Steven Spielberg presents Amblin Entertainment. Presents all those. Uh, this feels out of that wheelhouse, uh, especially at this moment. And yeah, definitely E. T. Particularly vibes here, but uh, Spielberg in general. Now, when David comes up to the house
0: and the old woman answers it, I remember as a kid feeling anxiety, like,
1: wait, who is that?
0: That's not his mom.
1: Yeah, I mean, from this point on, you know, he goes to the house and he sees the old woman and then he runs into his room and finds the old man.
0: Which I loved. He's just sitting there, like, drinking scotch or something. Yeah, looking out the window, you know, like
1: old people in the 80s do. (laughs) Uh, And then, like, he, like, he's sort of, 'Cause he runs upstairs to his room and past the old woman. So now he's like sandwiched in between the old man and the old woman. He like crumbles to the stairs and starts crying. And at that moment I was like, Wow, this is like horrifying. This is like traumatizing for a child. Yeah, I remember like, this the is anxiety. As fucked a kid. up.
0: But back in the eighties we could take that shit.
1: Yeah. No, I mean I, I said <laughs> Just out keep loud. No, <laughs> no, no. I said out loud when we were watching the movie, I was like, This is fucked up, but but I miss when movies used to do that. Like movies for kids today would never Well, they're do starting traumatizing to come back like
0: though. That. I remember Super Eight had some kind oh, of like yeah. traumatizing moment. Yeah. But now Stranger Things in yeah. season two. We're I will coming say, back yes. where we're not ke- we're not treating kids with these like fluffy fantasies yeah. anymore. Yeah. They're starting to get more real. Uh probably because I, I think it was the start of the nineties where everything had to be
1: Clean cut,
0: you know. I, we don't, I don't know about the
1: not the certain because I'm thinking of to, like, yeah. I'm thinking of like my girl, where like Macaulay Culkin dies, yeah. you know, like it's it's a spoiler alert <laughs> oh, <laughs> 25 years later, spoiler alert, he doesn't make it, the bees get him. Uh, but uh, uh, I think, yeah, 2000s <laughs> is about where are you <laughs> Don't don't laugh at Home Alone's death, man. It's so sad. No, I
0: love I love how this somehow just went into that movie and Macaulay Culkin
1: yeah. dying. That's what I always go. That's my go-to traumatizing 90s moment because it fucking wrecked me as a kid. Uh, Mine was Stand by Me and the dead body. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I think like, I was I was more I I feel like when I watched that movie I could relate to them because I was more like fascinated by it. I was like oh. Oh, but my girl traumatized. Yes. <laughs> All right,
0: tangent over. Back to the movie. <laughs> no, but like, yeah, like tie back
1: in. Uh, yeah, somewhere maybe around the 2000s, uh, they got safe for kids, mm-hmm. and I liked when movies like in the 80s and the 90s. Oh, really? From the 70s, 80s, 90s, they were they were tough. They were like, we're gonna put a kid in a really really like eerie situation, and uh, as a kid watching it, it makes you invested yeah i mean so well definitely you want david to get out of this situation
0: then he ends up getting to the, the cops i believe and i i love how that cop's like are
1: you sure and she's like i've checked the computer three times he's been dead for eight years yeah yeah so they they take him over to the house where the parents are then and like he sees his dad and runs after him and the dad's like
0: what? <laughs> yeah, and they, they really aged the parents well. Uh, they were talking about it in the commentary. Like, back in 78, the they, you know, put all the makeup on them and fluffed up their hair, made them look very youthful. And then, you know, after eight years of losing their son, you look at them, they kind of, I they said they had no makeup on them. They even, I don't know how they aged and weathered them, but the whole point was, because I remember as a kid, like, Whoa, they've changed,
1: yeah, and uh, it seems like a, a little bit too much, but then it's like when you take into consideration that they like lost a kid, yeah, and that, you're like, oh, yeah, then it, that weathers a person. I mean, so, yeah, they've been dealing with this trauma
0: for a while and like living in the where, where your kid just disappears, too. So, you know, yeah, there's a lot of investigating people going out in the woods and these giant groups looking for this kid, and just probably some crazy stuff. So, when they see them. I actually think the parents do a really good job of kind of like shock where they don't really have much emotion, so to speak, because it's just, a, well, the emotion of shock on their face is actually right. really good.
1: Yeah, no, like they react like I would imagine you would react in this fantastic situation. Plus he hasn't aged. Yeah. Which would be creepy as hell. Right. And they're just like flabbergasted. So they yeah, they do a good job and they take him to the hospital because they want to obviously figure out what's going on. They, you know... They don't know about this fantasy or whatever, and then it really sets in for uh, the kid when his brother walks in, and he's not the little doughy uh, little brother anymore. No, he's brother. like a sixteen-year-old, yeah, and he's yeah. like kind of hot, you know. Whoa, what? <laughs> I mean, he is right, isn't he? Like eighties hot. Yeah,
0: I mean, nerdy hot. I, yeah, I, I, I just, you just took me for a loop there. Sorry. I thought you were gonna be like he was cool.
1: Well, like. Yeah, he's cool, but like nerd what cool. they're trying to sell is that he's kind of hot, you know. I'm, I'm looking at it from the perspective of what they're trying to sell to us here.
0: It was weird when he's in the hospital, and then before you know it, NASA gets involved because they've got this ship, and apparently David's linked to it. And I remember as a kid, like, that's when it started to kind of pick up his cool. Like, okay, what's up with this kid? Why is he special? Yeah. And that's when,
1: like... 80s little steve was just
0: like this is awesome they're a nasa
1: yeah and once once nasa gets involved we see like little intercuts in between like what we were talking about of them finding the ship and uh sort of the crash site and the crash site is very spielbergy too with like the sparks going off and like the the little field with the uh crashed um power lines and things like that Mm -hmm. so it's very spielbergy uh but yeah we get all that leading up to it and then uh yeah so then nasa eventually wants to take in the kid because they do that dream analysis thing or thought analysis the director
0: and the producer were laughing about this because it's just all nonsense on the screen and they specifically is the dog done
1: barking they specifically like yeah this is just all nonsense yeah so they like are asking him questions and like they're showing the spike, and then they ask him what happened to him, what he remembers, and it goes like off the charts. And his mind visualizes the ship. So then they send it over to the NASA guy, uh, Howard Hessman, and from WKRP in Cincinnati. Yes, and he uh, he wants he wants that kid. He's got to get
0: that kid. Yeah, he does a really good job in this. Even though I always remember him as more of a comedic actor. Yeah. Uh, he, he does a really good job of a stressed out man just trying to figure this out. I, I assume he was a scientist. Yeah, he's a doctor. Yeah, a doctor, scientist of some sort. Dr. Faraday. Yeah. And uh, he, I really liked him in this film. I, I believe he was kind of that other adult figure in this that kind of grounded it. Yeah. Where he kind of seemed like he cared a little bit about David, but he was keeping it mostly like we're trying to figure this stuff out.
1: Yeah, he he actually, like, uh, one of of my problems with this movie, again, I'm sorry, 80s kids, I don't mean to shit on your childhood, but... uh, You're about to get some old school, like, brick Game Boys thrown at your head. I know. Um, There's no villain in this movie at all. Uh, It's kind of uh, Dr. Faraday, sort of. I think it's
0: more the fear of not being home, leaving
1: the home and everything. That's kind of bullshit, though. <laughs> you need a you need some sort of antagonist. Like, uh, if they were gonna go the ET route, they you know he should have been more evil, but he's not. He's not really evil at all. He's just like kind of a bumbling doctor that just wants to figure out what's going on. Yeah,
0: I I could see what you're saying right there. He probably should have been written more of just like we don't care about you, David. We just want what's in the ship,
1: or like or like had. He could be that same character and have, like, a second character who's, like, crazy about it. Like, maybe. it could have been interesting.
0: Yeah, I could see like this, but I, I believe this kind of was getting into, like, you know, maybe you're right. Actually, now that I think about it, there is no real enemy, other than fear. The fear of not being home, uh, being lost, being an orphan, Yeah, in a way. Yeah. Uh, this is when the movie starts to get really cool as a kid, like I was saying before. Because when they show that ship, what blew my mind was there's hardly any CGI in this film. That ship, they built four or five of them one to be towed in the back of the truck, one to be shown as miniature, one is a giant, real sized one made out of fiberglass. These are really cool models.
1: Yeah, no, they you could tell they're like tangible. Yeah. You know, they're not like animated. Yeah. Uh, now,
0: as you being the first time, what did you think about the ship?
1: Oh, it was it was cool. I okay. was yeah, I was in, I was into it. I was like it, the way it moved, sort of like how it glided uh and the the look, the sort of seamless look of it. It was it was cool. Yeah. As, as a kid and even now
0: that thing was dope.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a cool thing. I'm I'm into it.
0: We get more of like them studying david and all this and the parents like well when are we going to get to see him that he's going to be able to come home and well they take him away from home yeah so
1: like we didn't even mention that yet so like he does all the tests in the hospital the nasa guys come in and they take him away and they're going to take him away for three days can you imagine those parents? They just found him and then they get, and then they got to take him away for three yeah, days. Yeah, part
0: of me wonders, like, man, I, if I was those parents, I'd be
1: pissed. I'd be like, I'm going with. I haven't seen this kid in Especially eight years. Especially the mom.
0: You think the mom would never leave his side. Right.
1: Like, eight years and you're like, three days. Go ahead. Take him. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> we waited this long. Might as well take another three days. You know, like, I don't know. That seemed weird. That they were just like so willing but well, then he goes there yeah and he meets uh the robot thing what's it ralph yeah <laughs> i love ralph and then uh sarah jessica parker
0: <laughs> yeah we get a sarah jessica parker with purple hair and she's what i always love about that is he's like she says something to him and he goes i'm crazy you're the one walking around with purple hair yeah. and, And I always remember that kind of being strange as a kid because I was like, well, that's cool. What are you talking about, David? But I kind of forget David's from 78. Yeah, where that wasn't a thing yet. The 80s, that totally was a thing. The 70s, it really wasn't a thing. Yeah, and she comes in with the robot Ralph, also known as Robotic Assistant Labor Felicitator. (laughs) That is so
1: 80s. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And it's it's just a little box on wheels that brings uh food in its little thing and then a little mail slot on it. Yeah, it's I love how
0: it's like it like has his is it just mail or does it also carry meals?
1: Yeah, it brings his
0: food in there. Yeah. And he wants a Coca Cola and they start talking. She got purple hair because she went to Twisted Sister. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, Oh yeah, my mom took uh took me to see the Bee Gees. It's the Bee Gees. Yeah. yeah. I'm surprised the Bee Gees song isn't in this, though.
1: Yeah, because what's the the song they use later? Uh, Beach Boys. Yeah, they They use use the Beach Beach Boys. Boys, Yeah, maybe they tried. Or maybe
0: he did say the Beach Boys, and we just got it confused with the Bee Gees. No, he says Bee Gees. I just watched
1: this yesterday. He definitely says Bee Gees. Because I was like dork (laughs)
0: but this was a major crush for me as a little kid when i saw sarah jessica barker i just
1: remember instantly being like i'm in love (laughs) see my 90s girls your 80s girls yeah that's uh, that's, uh, oh my gosh
0: i just figured it out that's why he's my enemy matthew broderick because this is one of my first crushes and that bastard married her
1: (laughs) yep that's it dude you found it out it just all came to me because i like i don't really like matthew broderick all that much anyway but like I don't understand the hatred. Now I understand.
0: No, doing doing this podcast, I now realize I have two people I really don't like. Matthew Broderick and Sabrina the Teenage Witch.
1: Yeah. I, I
0: don't understand
1: it, but you know what?
0: Each their own. Uh, and then we get further more testing. And finally, we get thrown into David needs to escape. Yeah. Because he's... Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker's character, which was like, what, Caroline? Yeah, Carolyn. Yeah, Carolyn. Uh, she's like, no, 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 you're not gonna be here for
1: three days. I've seen the meal charts. You're gonna be here for like, weeks. Right. And she's gonna help him escape. Uh, and there's obviously a like, crush there. Like, he obviously really likes her. Yeah, she does the whole like, you know, you're kinda cute. If you were older, or like, maybe when you're a little bit older, we'll meet up. You know, that kind of type thing. Uh, but I was curious, uh, 'Cause he's early on in the movie he's crushing on Jennifer, the like popular girl in his neighborhood. And he's like looking at her through the telescope, remember, early on oh, in the movie. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering if there was ever gonna be like a connection between them two because yeah, they kinda sh- just drop that off. Yeah, they just drop it. But I, I was curious if they were gonna go that way, like Carolyn's like the sister of Jennifer and we were gonna see Jennifer as a twenty year old or something like that. We didn't get that though. That's just me. Drifting away. Yeah, I
0: I, I do love how he escapes, though. He gets into Ralph, and he's just cruising around the NASA facility. Now, I'm doing air quotes, NASA facility.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, I'll get into it behind the scenes, but I'm going to tell you what. None of this was shot at NASA. It was supposed to be, but none of it was. So that's a little tidbit I'll give you at the end. So he ends up hearing the voice of a mysterious voice Mm. where it's kind of like, I don't want to say it was full Field of Dreams, But it was kind of like, you need to come.
1: Yeah.
4: So he
0: follows it to the ship. Yeah. Well, it gets into Ralph, and he's just cruising around this
1: entire airport. Oops. Spoiler. It's an airport. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. He's cruising around NASA. and People are looking at it, but they're like, whatever. It's... It's Ralph. Huh. Oh, it's, that that wacky Ralph. Yeah, it's the machine. Well Well that they set it work. up.
0: They set it up that Ralph makes mistakes sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So they're just so, like, There he goes. So he finally gets to the uh, room where they're they're having the ship. And that ship, that's legit. That is a real full fiberglass ship that it was holding up through poles. And that's why it makes it look like the straps are holding the ship down, but underneath the straps are giant poles holding it up. And that that is some great I don't know if you call that trick photography or just great props. Yeah.
1: No, it looks it looks awesome yeah. here. And uh eventually the ship opens up. Yeah, it does that like stop motion uh drip effect where yeah. the the door turns into stairs. You nailed it. That was
0: that's claymation stop
1: motion yeah. animation.
0: Most people, the director even mentioned, he's like everyone always asks me, he's like, Wow, the CG in that is great. I love when the stairs come down. And he has to tell people all the time. He's like, no, we just hired a really good stop motion person. Then to get the step look, because everyone asks about David going up the steps also to the director. He's like, that's not CG. What we did is we needed a way (sighs) to get these shots cheaper. So they hired a magician and they asked him, how would you do that? And he goes, oh, that's easy. I would just film it from this angle and make poles going out. So that's why it has weight. When he puts his foot down, it goes down. It looks fantastic when he goes into this.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's a, uh, I guess, yeah, good trick. Like yeah. a good old-timey uh, movie magic right there as he is going into the ship. Um, and I wanted to mention, uh, I mean, this is Flight of the Navigator, but this is about an hour into the movie. Yeah. this, the, this so We haven't even taken off. This yet, was gutsy so.
0: for a kid's film. Um, and if you remember back in the day when Disney channel was on this, they would always show this in two parts. This was a classic nineties Disney move where they would break it up into hour segments. So when you'd watch this, like Friday night, we have part one, a flight of the navigator and then finish it off Saturday night. So right when he enters the ship, I believe was part the ending of part one. Interesting. So it would, you know, as a kid, you're like, what? What? (laughs) what i I gotta watch it so you wouldn't make any plans
1: for saturday yeah yeah and that would get their ratings up because yeah cliffhangers and whatnot um but yeah it it was it was a bold move to have it be almost an hour in before he even takes flight um but not a criticism i'm making at all because it's highly entertaining until we get to that point
0: yeah they create
1: that like anxiety and awe. yeah yeah really it is because it's like I'm sort of traumatized by it. Like, oh, my God, this is horrifying that this child has to go through this. And then also being like, but I can't wait to see what's going to happen next.
0: Yeah, loved it. Right when he gets into this ship, this is like when full nostalgia hit me. It's just so 80s. Like, yeah. All the mirrors and everything. I couldn't even imagine shooting in that thing with oh, all the, the reflection. Oh, Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I don't even know where they'd put the cameras or how big this was, but this is... An actual set they build. And it looks great. The ship area looks amazing. Yeah, and then we get the puppeteering of oh, let's see, what was Max like Maximilian? I don't know why I said it. it's not Maximilian, but whatever it is, he introduced himself to
1: David and David immediately is just like,
0: uh, yeah, I'll just oh, try Maximum Drone Ship. From Phalon.
1: Yeah, and he's like, I'll call you Max.
0: Yeah, that's also, he mentioned, all Garbo. <laughs> They're just like, we needed an 80s sci-fi name. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, I'll call you Max. And he keeps calling him Navigator, and we get a lot of compliances. Yeah. Uh, which Compliance. Is compliance. Love that. Love that uh, little 80s nostalgia right there. Because when I hear people say that, and uh, I think Robot Chicken used it one time.
1: Compliance nice yeah uh the now this is obviously we talked about it. this is paul rubens doing the voice of uh max i love this voice because he hasn't turned full peewee yet uh i i like the voice he's doing here and if you notice in the trailer i played
0: earlier they changed voices so most of this movie was shot before disney fully came in and gave them a bunch of money I don't know whose voice it was. They do mention it in the commentary. So once Paul Rubens saw this, he's like, this looks great. Yeah, I'll totally do this.
1: Yeah, and I really like him in this in this part here. The compliance and yeah, navigator. Navigator. Really, <laughs> it's really fun.
0: I also I was just like, we've got all the maps in your brain. I got to get them out of your brain. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, so this kid <laughs> has like all these star charts in his head. Yeah. I never really understand why they put it in his head, but I think it's just one of those things to lock kids on where you feel special. You want to be in
1: David's shoes. Yeah, exactly. You're like, I want to have all the knowledge of all the stars. Yeah, you're bigger than what your stature is, so to speak. Yeah, I Um, think that's why that's
0: there for sure. So they get in there, and eventually they escape, and this gets to the really cool shot of the ship, like the lightning zapping, opening the door. And then we get the ship going out. And this is really cool trick photography. And again, from The Magician, they put a mirror behind the ship to uh, make it look like there's more of a crowd. Because they said, honestly, there's only like 12 people out there. Nice. But the mirror is reflecting it. And when I I paused the DVD of this, and you, yeah, really well done. You can't tell at all. So they've got this huge fiberglass model and then finally, right when this thing starts to morph and shoots up in the air, that's actually the first CG in the film. And they mentioned in the commentary, the reason they used as little CG as possible back then, it was $30,000 per effect shot.
1: Oh, yeah, I bet. It was a lot
0: of money. And, you know, I mentioned earlier, this is a $9 million budget. And a lot of that actually went to music, what little marketing the film did for theater. So it actually had a good production but most of it went to the actual studios like producing it especially they shot all the inside of the ship in norway i believe uh so it went to that and the puppeteering which was really expensive and hard to do so they didn't use a lot of cgi in this but as a kid i remember this kind of being a big cgi film
1: yeah i mean i'm I'm glad they Sort of spread it out as much as they did with, mm-hmm. you know, the actual ship, the miniatures, the puppeteering, the uh, stop motion, and the CG. It's a nice blending. It's something that I wish we would see, see more of today. Yeah, so this ship
0: blasts off all the way up in space. And I remember thinking, I'm like, I wouldn't that just knock David out?
1: Yeah, wouldn't he
3: die? <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: But uh, this
1: is the 80s. Yeah. We don't yeah. know that uh yeah the ship takes off every which way uh he wants to go home basically and it's flying everywhere else but home he doesn't quite know where home is he knows it's fort lauderdale that's all he knows uh and yeah. oh yeah
0: because he tells him he's like get me three miles away from this location it just yeah, so it's,
1: he goes twenty miles. He's or like, twenty miles, maybe twenty yeah. miles away, and he goes straight up, and then they and then he goes not nah, straight up, and then he goes west. So they're like with the cows. Well, and he shit. goes
0: right back down to the NASA facilities, just like straight down shot yeah. stops, and then eventually they blast off, and that's yeah. when the ship like morphs into this sweet aerodynamic yeah. ship, and then <laughs> they blast off, and they eventually stop away from the place, and, of course, NASA's chasing them. Somehow they're able to locate them, I, I guess. They have a tracker. On a tracker. Yeah, yeah, they say
1: they have a tracker on the ship. Good old sci-fi tracker. And those trackers, those 80s trackers. Uh, yeah, so they're, like, hanging out with the cows for a minute, and they, like, scare the cows as they're yeah. flying by. Well, <laughs> so the director's like, this was not planned in the script. They were just supposed to stop and let
0: David pee, but they're like, but these cows were just around, so they're like, yeah, keep them in the shot. Yeah. Completely unexpected uh joy there with the cows and uh blocking the pole holding up the ship and you got the puppeteer outside of it and it's just a really good scene And <laughs> it's funny the director's just like yeah we need to scare the cows and blast it off so
1: someone just brought a gun and fired it <laughs> it works because yeah, yeah you could tell the cows get scared or whatever when the ship takes off so then they end up flying around and it's sort of like that 80s uh whoa, look at this adventure kind of moment as they're going over, like, the cities and the sea and, like, all the, you know, er- everything. And they eventually end up in Tokyo? Is that the next? Yeah,
0: they go to Japan at one point, uh, a bunch of, and that's all, like, just stock footage.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, like, a blue screen stock footage of, like, uh, the four Japanese people that uh, the director knew to stand in front of, like, a stock footage blue screen of Tokyo. And they go to, like, the Golden Gate Bridge, and yeah, he's yeah, like, I want to see California. I mean,
0: they're just cruising around, yeah. and he's having fun. Uh, eventually, it kind of gets to that point where he's like, I don't know, you're the navigator. Fly the ship.
1: Yeah. Well, no, because he, he goes to take the the memories of the flight plans. Yes. And when, when Max does that, he also becomes a 12-year-old boy then because he gets all the memories of of uh David. Uh so then he goes in full Peewee mode then because he's a 12-year-old boy.
0: Well yeah, once he starts getting into it cuz we'll get into this uh you had him eventually meet all the creatures.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I well as a kid this is like full um, return of the Jedi, so to speak. yeah you Just yeah. get all these creatures the little puppets, cool yeah. ones. and of course you had the Puck Puckman, Puckmarin, yeah, Puckmarin. It. We'll just call him Puck. That cute little um bat thing yeah i don't even know what you call them but as a kid i always remember being fascinated by the pterodactyl looking one in the background with the smoke and the little cylinder
1: yeah there was they were really cool puppets i i I liked them all no but you did mention something about the puppets that i didn't
0: notice until the blu-ray
1: uh yeah you can see the wires on all of them uh it's pretty blatant it's really blatant but like i don't care like I don't, so, you Well, know, you couldn't see
0: it in the VHS.
1: They're, they're, uh, they're there. They're not CG. So like, I don't care that I can see the wires. And the gooey one with the cold. You can that one was me. Yeah, yeah, I, I as uh, we were watching it, and it like leaned up, and it was like covered in slime. And they're like, stay away from that one. It's got a cold. And I was like, it's me. <laughs> and we find out Puck
0: is mad because he can't return to his home planet because it's been destroyed by a comet.
1: Yes. So. Uh, David takes him and he's like, oh, you're a little orphan. So we know what's going to happen with him. Yes. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, uh,
0: and then that's kind of when
1: we, that's
0: when uh, Max's personality of peewee, starts to slowly unfold in this point.
1: because yeah. And that's when he's like, well, if you're such a good navigator, then you fly the ship. That's yeah. when that happens because yeah. he's being a 12-year-old boy. And he's just like shooting straight down you. Better do something. Yeah. It's like
0: right underneath your nose. And he just smokes the, I don't know, the the on switch. (laughs) Yeah, the
1: button that makes it fly.
0: Uh, He he smashes (laughs) Puck at that time, too. I always remember as a kid, like, oh, no, Puck's not dead, is he? Yeah, yeah, he, like, smashes him down. Uh, and then like eventually he gets the map out and they, they stop by that, uh, the car full of kids and they ask him for directions. And I, I love how like, that's what he thought a good idea was to just scare the shit out of these kids.
1: And they're like teenagers listening to like eighties new wave or whatever. And they all kind of have like the, the neon colors and the tiny sunglasses and stuff. And then Pee Wee's just like, are those geeks? And he's like, (laughs) yep. Uh, and He's like, what were th- what is that sound coming from their car? And it's like,
0: David looks at him, me, you mean music? Yeah. It's like it's like, can you get radio waves in this? And he's like, I can get over thirty thousand something radio waves or whatever he says, or three million. And I he's like, know. just
1: get music that sounds like that. And then he plays opera and David's like, That's not music. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and of course, as an eighties kid, that's exactly what you'd say. Yeah, no. Like. Any twelve-year-old boy'd be like, ugh.
1: Yeah, right? Exactly.
0: And then we get our Beach Boys theme going on here, and this is just a great little scene to watch. Here, I'll play some of it for you.
3: See if you can pick up some signals that sound like what we heard. No, that's not music. Try another station. Ah, change it quick. Hold it. Now, this is music. Getting bugged, up and, up and, and down, down the same, same old strip. I, I gotta, gotta find a new place where the kids are here. See Max, you gotta move, like this My buddies and me, you're getting real well known ah. the bad guys and they
4: leave us alone
0: There was Max and David playing I Get Around by the Beach Boys, I think released 1964. Uh anyway. Next is the Big Owl scene, so we'll go back-to-back audio scenes here. Here we go.
3: Al Gator City. This must be Florida, Max!
4: And that must be <laughs> Big Al. <Owl. laughs>
3: Maybe he has a phone. Some change to pull my parents.
4: Thank you. Hey, Blimbo! On going! Too many twinkies! <laughs> uh, excuse
3: me, pal. Would you mind if my wife used a little girl's room? Dad, can we look at the flying saucer? Sure, go ahead. Jackie, isn't it weird?
4: Yeah. Well, your Indian Village won't win any awards, but that flying saucer's first rate. I wonder how it getting up. How long did it take to put something like that together? Okay? We'll just take a look around ourselves.
3: Look at this. I can push on the step and it doesn't move. It just wiggles Kids, a little. Kids, get out from under there. Come on. They don't have any insurance in places like this. Okay, that's nice. All right. Jackie, move just a little bit? Good. good. All right, Ryan, give me, give me some smile. Come on. We're having a good time. i want to get the shipping here. This is a nice shot. All right, honey, smile. Here we go. Excuse me.
4: See you later, alligator. <laughs> wow.
2: Son of a gun! He just said he wanted to phone home.
0: See what I mean?
1: I mean, it's totally just Big Al, Florida, and the ET. Yeah. So he makes it back home. He uh, he. When he calls his uh, house, he calls his brother, and brother's like, "I'll signal you." So he pulls out his fireworks, a that big we, box of fireworks, which we see in the '70s. He's he got yeah. so uh, I guess they kept them, and they still some of them still work, which is smart because if they are eight-year-old fireworks, some of them would work, some of them wouldn't work, and like the first two he tries to shoot off don't even work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, and we forget to say, just, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker eventually
0: leaves the facility on like her day off because they're they're looking for her. But she uh, goes to the Freemans and tells them about everything, that like David's just yeah. flying around the world.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then the NASA guys come to the house because they know that's where he's headed, where David's headed, and they tell Sarah Jessica Parker, like, uh, you need to get back to the facility, and that's the last we see of her. So did NASA kill Sarah Jessica Parker? We don't know. <laughs> yeah. They're like, you need to get back to the facility, and that is all we see of her for the rest of the movie.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I never even thought about that. But once David gets there, he flies over, I don't know, that is the Miami coastline or whatever. I, I don't know yeah. where that was supposed to be. But they mentioned the shot where it's the fireworks coming out over the building. That's legit. They literally had someone firing off fireworks. And they're nice. like, that was a difficult shot. And they were really happy when they finally got it. So that was pretty cool. He ends up landing, and, of course, you get the, I don't know, is that Close Encounters kind of shot where he had the lights above and the ship coming down and a whole crowd of people looking at it. absolutely. So there's another, like, Spielberg kind of shot there. And, and you know, David sees his parents, but he also sees all these like NASA agents or whoever they're supposed to be. I don't really know if NASA would have men
1: with, you know, like suits and guns, kind of like – uh, men in black type thing yeah it is it is kind of men in black like uh yeah this also this last shot reminded me of honey i blew up the kid uh where it's the kid is giant and he wants to get back to his family but the the scientists are you know also there trying to shrink him down or whatever same director didn't know that yeah. just found that out right now now he only did the first
0: one or the what honey... yeah blew up the kid the second yeah. Second one, second one? Okay. which is my favorite in the series I, I can't remember anything from past the first one for some reason. Oh, yeah, Blew Up the Kid's good. Okay. It's a good one. Let's see. Then, you know, David gets that kind of, like, second thought. He's like, uh, never mind. I'm going to go home. Like, yeah, he's his like. His real home.
1: He's like, this is weird. I'm just going to be, like, a test project if I come back here. He's like, take me back, Max. And Max is like, I could fry you. And he's like, let's just do it. Let's go back to the past.
0: <clears throat> and this is kind of like a funny little it's way too easy. He just lays down. He's like, How many times have you done this? Including this one? One. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is it. This is
1: the first one. Uh, he lays down. And he just scans over him. Done. Yeah. And then we are back to 1978. And everything's working out perfectly. Yeah. Uh, and he gets on the boat with his family because it's Fourth of July. And he's like, Now fireworks with the little brother. And he's like, I love you to everybody. Yeah. yeah he says, and even to his brother, I even love you. Yeah. And the brother's like, uh, and then, just so we know that it wasn't like a Jacob's Ladder situation, he pulls out the little uh, what's it called? I just call it puck. He pulls out little puck, and the little brother's like, "Oh, that's awesome!" And yeah, it's our like end little wink that we. Yeah, get. it's
0: it's definitely the little wink there, and then we get the theme again while they roll credits. Yeah, and it's it's for me this is a really fun movie.
1: Oh, I I really enjoyed it. I was I was nitpicking at things, but I I did enjoy the movie. It's a lot of fun.
0: That's yeah, it's a cute one. It doesn't feel like it, it's gotten as much attention lately and it's definitely a cult one, but when you mention it like when people voted for it, there there is kind of like that, "Oh my gosh, I remember that film. I loved it."
1: Yeah, there's like it's it's smaller, but there's intense love for yes, it. That's yeah. what it is. It's people love it. And uh it didn't win by a landslide, but it won. Like it clearly won. So, it yeah, had okay. a lot of votes. <laughs> Wait, I had to ask Someone to break the
0: tie, and luckily, Scott Roger there, who did our theme, and you can find all of his music on SoundCloud. Anyway, um, he finally broke the tie, and thank God. I kind of, because even though I would have been fine doing Goonies, I personally, I wanted to do The Last Starfighter. That's one of my favorite, but I love this film. Uh, I'm kind of glad we didn't do The Goonies. I feel with Stranger Things right now, it's a
1: a little much for me. I want to do the Goonies. we got to do the Eventually, Goonies at some
0: point. But I, w- I want some space between Stranger Things Season 2.
1: Yeah, yeah. We'll do it uh, when this is over and people are looking forward to s- Season 3. We'll yeah, it's a good time to jump in and do Goonies. And we I have do an it.
0: original of that one, too. The good. old uh, clamshell and everything.
1: Good. Yeah, we'll jump in on uh, Goonies at that point. But, uh, yeah, I'm glad, th- I'm glad that we got to do this one. It was fun. I had never seen it before, and I, I really enjoyed it. Okay,
0: let's come back with some behind-the-scenes, but before that, I'm going to play you some uh, full-on Pee-wee Max voice. I mean, when he finally just goes full-on.
3: That's it? That's it, Davey! Davey? If you want to learn to swim, you've got to jump in the water! Don't forget to feed Bruiser! Chihuahua, patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, onion, sesame seed, bun!
4: Whoa! (laughs) This can't be happening! I think I've gotten some stuff
3: out of your head that has nothing to do with navigating this ship! You sound just like a human! No! That dumb dog will never learn to catch a frisbee. You are an inferior species, you dumb dog. Butt face! Ghost bucket! <laughs> hey, well if you're so perfect, what are you still doing here? I told you, I blew a fuse when I totaled out that electrical tower.
2: I was checking out some daisies. You
3: crashed while looking at flowers? Ha! Sounds like you're the inferior species. I'll show you
2: who's inferior.
3: Heads up! Hey, take it easy! Well,
0: excuse me! All right, let's get behind the scenes here. And like I said before, and I've mentioned a few times, I listened to the commentary done by Second Sight, the director, and the uh, producer, and this had some really cool stuff on it. So originally, they wanted to shoot a lot of the exterior shots at NASA, but right before they were going to go do that, the Challenger um, happened. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so no. that uh, that facility was, uh, that's a no-go.
1: Ooh, yeah, that sucks.
0: Yeah, and I, I wonder if that hurt them in the box office at all. Yeah, maybe. I mean, they didn't mention that's, it in the commentary. That's probably
1: why they were hesitant to adverti- over-advertise it, too,
0: you know? Yeah, because I actually mentioned that this did not have huge marketing. There's barely any posters. Uh, I could only find two releases of the VHS, the original one in uh somewhere in 87 or whatever and then 92 93 they did a re-release yeah Yeah. so there's not much to this and then they didn't do the dvd here i believe until what was this 2015 14 12 i don't know whatever um so yeah there's not a bunch of different ways to see this film and there's not a huge amount of special features about this yeah If it wasn't for the commentary, I wouldn't have got all this, but they ended up shooting a lot of the exterior shots at an airport and the interior shots at a Florida, no way, I'm sorry, at a um, sanitation facility in Florida. At
1: least they shot in Florida.
0: (laughs) At least they didn't lie about that. But I I think they did a pretty good job dressing it up. I believed it. I totally was, I believed it. Um, And I mentioned earlier that Paul Rubens, for some odd reason, wanted to be secret in this as Paul Maul. And even the director didn't know why.
1: Yeah.
0: It was height of Pee-wee era. Yeah, it was very odd. Yeah. Uh, The main editor also worked on Tron and worked on Alien. Uh, He specifically went out and found an editor that had worked in sci-fi and been successful. Nice. That's smart. Yeah. Um, The producer... (laughs) In this actually played the uh, the doctor that first sees David when he's really He's got the big old beard and the glasses. Nice. And uh, that was fun to see him be like, oh, look how young I was. Because <laughs> <laughs> the commentary on this was done almost 30 years after. And they mentioned multiple times in the commentary that there's a good chance we're going to see another Flight of the Navigator. Uh, Disney tried to do it around 2009, and it failed. And they didn't flat out say it, but I think the reason it didn't take off, so to speak, was because Disney kind of wanted to do a reboot. Mm -hmm. And from what I heard was the writer, the second screenwriter in this has kind of kept this thing alive, and I think they want to do a sequel, but now it sounds like they are because Lionsgate has already started principal photography. Oh, okay. So that's usually a good sign it's going to happen, and uh, apparently a lot of the original teams coming back. Interesting. Yeah, it is. Now, again, in two years, this thing could be shut down. We never know with these, but it's it sounds like a strong rumor that, you know, it could happen. Yeah. Yeah, we don't yeah. know. Uh, a couple of little interesting things here. Robert Downey Jr. was on set a lot because apparently he was dating Sarah Jessica Parker at the time, and they said he was he's a blast. Um, but that was kind of his thing during that time. Uh, this was the first time shit was used in a Disney film, and the director even mentioned maybe Bastard. Nice. Yeah, that's a little tidbit that was fun. Uh, I I talked a lot about being the interior was shot in Norway, uh, the claymation of the stairs, the navigator is a puppet, Max, and they said they it was very difficult to shoot some of those angles to get the puppeteers to move... Get him to move right up and down the ship. Uh, another interesting thing is when they were shooting in Norway, kids can't work on the weekend. So a lot of the shots of him like flying through the ship from the back is just some Norwegian kid they found and put a wig on him. That's funny. Yeah, so I actually, when I watched it, you know, they pointed it out, and I'm like, oh, yeah. I mean, you'd never know that if you didn't, but now I can never unsee it. <laughs> Uh, the shine on the ship that was done a couple times was basically the same people who did the Terminator <coughs> 2 oh, yeah, CGI, yeah. so, you know, he, he kind of was, they were proud of, like, this was kind of the, you know, the crawling of CGI. Each CG shot was about $30,000. The whole point of this film, too, he mentioned it, was to set this up like a dream.
1: Well, that's what I was saying. Like it was like uh, could have been a Jacob's Ladder scenario where he was dead the whole time or had the dream, you know. Yeah. Uh, the but thing. then he pulls out puck yeah. and then it, it's like, oh no, it wasn't. And I'm really, really glad they didn't go that route. Oh yeah, it would have been really frustrating. He yes. would have just like woke up and been like, uh. uh.
0: That, yeah, that's that's oh, one frustrating trope. I don't know when that came back, but it always feels like somewhere we started to get more and more of those somewhere can't really tell you what time period
1: where it's a dream like stuff nothing was real yeah yeah because was that one show in the 80s that did that right like uh i forget what show it was but that was like what sort of kicked that off again. well didn't
0: roseanne do that in the last season where she woke up and dan was actually
1: dead and she had been writing the whole time the show i think something like that yeah i'm thinking of another 80s show not the one where, like, the kid was imagining the whole thing, but there was, like, one where it was also just, like, a dream. Yeah, I don't remember. I, 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 all my 80s nostalgia pop culture is all blending together right now. It's an if, it, it's if, a Robitussin, uh combination. Of... If anyone knows, <laughs> just let us know in the comment section of our Facebook <laughs> page. What was that that popular 80s show that ended up being all a dream? That's, someone's going to know. Someone will know. All right. We will come back here with what's going in
0: the museum and what we're doing next week
2: this is the second time i've had to reclaim
3: my property from you that belongs in a museum so do you
0: matt what are you putting in the museum is it good is it bad what do we got
1: it's it's good um i'm gonna i'm gonna put in the puppet creatures uh the aliens but particularly my snot one my favorite little cold cold monster one. So you're kind
0: of putting all the creatures, but you're, you're yeah, focusing, I'm focusing on, on
1: one. Yeah, I'm on the one I like the best. Yeah. Okay.
0: Alright. I'm going to actually put in Max, the puppet. Oh, yeah. um, To me, now you said you liked uh, Paul Rubin's kind of backed off voice. Yeah,
1: I liked his like machine voice.
0: As a kid who watched this, I love the complete um, arc of him starting out very robotic, and then because david interacts with them he develops a personality yeah he turns into a 12 year old boy yeah so i i love that uh watching this as a kid that's one of the biggest things i remember that awesome interior of the ship the creatures but mostly i remember max compliance
1: (laughs) so we're walking down the halls of the goodwill and you see this disney box of flight of the navigator do you pick it up Certainly do. Yeah. Highly recommend. Two thumbs up. Uh, recommend. Definitely. Pick it up. Uh, worth your time. Also, since it is sort of rare, you probably want to add that to your collection because uh, it, it is isn't a uh, movie that got released 100 times over again. So, yeah. Pick it up. Yeah, Do Disney, it.
0: Disney just kind of let it float into 80s oblivion in a way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, recommend. Pick it up. Uh, good time. Good time to have, even if you don't have nostalgia for it, like me. I didn't. I never saw it before yesterday, and I really liked it.
0: All right, next week we're gonna come back. and We're gonna change up the format. Instead of seeing something in theater or Netflix and talking about it, we're kind of gonna go on
1: a new route here.
0: We're going to actually review Baby Driver.
1: Yeah, I think I think the idea with the half episodes or the mini episodes is that it's just stuff that's not on VHS. Yes. So yeah. that's that's a movie that's out on DVD now. Uh, it you know is never going to be on VHS. So we're going to talk about Baby Driver uh, before we jump back into another uh, VHS movie. Yeah,
0: and we sometimes we talk about what we're watching. I just want to bring this up because of the whole '80s thing. I, I thought I saw Thor Ragnarok, and at first I was like, Oh God, they're just doing another Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy. But after I left the theater, I gotta admit, that movie was a lot of fun, and I really hope Marvel, Disney keep going down this route
1: of just, can we just have fun with these films? Yeah, I saw it too, and it was a lot of fun, uh, a lot of humor, and I, and I mean, obviously the stuff that's funnier works better than the story stuff, you know, when they do anything like, uh, I hate when superheroes have to talk to their dead dads on mountains. Uh <laughs> which is a trope that happens in a lot of these movies. Uh, but uh, well, I mean, that's
0: so Thor though with talking to his dad all the time. Yeah and... but like it, it happened in like
1: Man of Steel, it happened in Batman Superman. yeah, it, it was always talking to dead dads. Um, so I, I, I'm over that trope and I'm, I' I think the funny stuff is the stuff that worked the best and luckily there was a lot of it.
0: Yeah, the same director of What We Do in the Shadows. Um, I can't remember his name right now.
1: Taika Waititi.
0: Yeah, Waititi. Was he the voice of one of the... The rock monster. Yeah, the rock monster. He's great. I I was surprised at the amount of comedy in it. One, I was surprised he directed it. Two, I was surprised the amount of comedy in it. And three, I can't believe we got a a Thor film that was actually good.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I like the first one for what it is. It's a world-building thing. I think we'll fish out in, of water. Kenneth yeah. Brown did a good job doing his thing on that, but uh, uh, yeah, this new one is probably the best, most yeah. fun one. I, I
0: I didn't like either of the first two. Uh, uh, the first one's obviously better. The second one. The second uh, one's so forgettable. It, yeah. Not only did I, I don't even think I hated the second one. You're right. I don't remember it. Right. It's just like instantly forgettable. Uh, oh well, because when they introduced that Loki wasn't dead in this one, I was. Honestly, I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Did he die? I can't remember.
1: Yeah. Well, the thing that surprised me most is because, you know, I knew that Taika was involved in it. So I was like, it's going to be funny. The thing that surprised me most was how visually nice it was, like how awesome some of the shots were and how, like, ripped from the panels of the comic book some of the scenes looked. Yeah. In this movie, uh, more so than some that have bigger name directors attached to them. I do wonder at
0: what point this whole '80s revolution is going to peak and get old. But as an '80s kid, I'm gonna ride this wave until it's gone. And I know, just like zombies during one period, all the zombie films yeah. that came out, it's gonna eventually, crash eventually it's just gonna crash.
1: But I'm gonna ride it until it crashes. <laughs> I'm gonna, well, we'll uh I, I'll say this in about the '80s nostalgia thing that's happening right now. Uh, I love it. Like, keep it coming. If you're going to keep making movies fun, that was what we were missing. You know, for 10 years or almost 10 years, we had the Dark Knight effect where everything (sighs) had to be super serious and dark and bleak and sad. Um, It's so much fun to get color. Yeah, now we're getting... We're sort of breaking out of that with stuff like Guardians of the Galaxy, which is more 70s inspired. But uh, yeah, now Thor was very 80s inspired and things like that. So we're getting this 80s wave. But, But I will say one negative... Every horror movie that has to come out, I, I, I watch a lot of indies, new stuff. I really am. I, I like the stuff that's coming out that's new. If you are making an indie '80s movie today, you don't always have to do an 80 cent score for your movie i'm getting burnt out on it already because every horror movie does it and it works for certain movies like it should be in movies like the guest and it should be in movies like cold in july but it doesn't necessarily have to be in every single 80 or not uh indie horror movie it doesn't have to have an 80 cent score
0: well movies like many things it's a copycat industry yeah uh, it's and, what's popular right now uh, it follows
1: and things like that in yeah.
0: the late 90s if you would have came out with a synth um, theme for your film you would have been laughed out of the theater right. but now it's just like oh everyone can ride this yeah. ride yeah
1: so I love I love the spirit of fun I love the color I love everything 80s that's being brought into movies but scale it back on your synth scores horror movies I get it You're, you, you love John Carpenter I get it I do too I did a synth score for my movie. <laughs> I get it, but like What's the name of that movie and where take can Take back buy it? the knife and you can get it on lcfilmsonline.com. Uh, <laughs> but I I did it and I'm not saying that like I should have, but I made that movie uh almost 5 years ago now. It's it's time to calm down with that. <laughs> yeah, I, So are we
0: officially past the Matrix, past the Dark Knight phase of
1: no color? Yeah, I think it's over. Thank so, God! Thank God, though, for that.
0: Was it Batman versus Superman that crashed that ship? I think it was.
1: I like, honestly think it was. Just made it explode.
0: Zack Snyder, yeah. get the fuck
1: out of here! I I
0: like some of your
1: films. I like but yeah, Jesus. Like some of what you do, but like, yeah, you don't. Everything doesn't have to be so bleak all the time. No, uh, I love the colors back. Okay, well, we went on a tangent there. That was fun. Yeah, but we needed it. It was, and it's about nostalgia. It ties into what we we talk about every week. That's right. That's right.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I guess we're going to, uh, you know, thanks for listening and remember to be
1: kind. And rewind.
0: analog Jones afterthoughts and I'm just gonna make a few corrections or a few of the things that we missed the show that ended in the 80s with the dream was actually the Bob Newhart show so if you knew that hell of a job trivia master one of the facts in the behind the scenes that I forgot to mention originally was the Pee Wee Herman arrest or Paul Rubens he was arrested in 1991 in Florida for masturbating in an adult theater And a lot of people thought that that actually led to the show's cancellation. Turns out the show was actually already canceled before that because of low ratings and other things. But it did fracture his career for a while. They stopped selling Pee Wee Herman dolls and stores and he became a big ridicule icon during that time period. But I guess at least he was touching himself and not other people. I'm looking at you, Harvey Weinstein and Kevin Spacey sadly this film had another arrest to its name in 2016 joey kramer the star of flight of the navigator was arrested for robbing a bank in british columbia uh he was wearing a bandana and a long wig but was quickly identified it's sad when these child actors get caught up in either drugs or in this case robbery but it is a fact and i just wanted to let you guys know also as we mentioned in the show Flight of the Navigator, it looks like it's back on track to come back to a theater, but it's not going to be a sequel like the director and producer made it sound like in the commentary. It looks like no one from the original is coming back and it's going to be a pure reboot. It's being put on by Lionsgate and the Henson Company and it might be directed by Neil Blomkamp of District 9. So, it's sad that it's not going to be a sequel but at least we're gonna get it back in theater even though i'm not a big reboot guy i am a huge fan of this film so it'll be interesting to see what they can do with it in 2018 or 19 as it's planned but then again this could get canceled it's been on again off again on again off again for a while if you're a big fan of the podcast please go to itunes and rate and review us it's a big help for us to push the show and to get it into more people's ears so to speak Matt and I put a lot of work into this uh, after our jobs, our full-time jobs. So when you rate and review us, it actually helps us a lot to get recognition for all of our hard work. So if you'll do that, we're going to have a giveaway in the future. Uh, So save your screenshots of the actual reviews, and we're going to give something away and mail it off to you guys, because we appreciate you and we want to give you more content. If you're interested in hearing more from Matt Stork, which is my co-host here, he actually writes on HorrorSociety.com, so if you're interested in independent horror or anything horror really, he does a lot of articles and I think you should read them. They're pretty damn good. If you're interested Matt actually has his film on sale at LCFilms.com. It's called Take Back the Knife and you can buy the Blu-ray right there which includes behind the scenes bloopers and a trailer. It's a damn good film, and he worked really hard on it. Have any questions for the show, email us at analogjones, T-O-F, at gmail.com, or just visit our Facebook page. We love discussions and questions. Thanks for listening, and for everyone out there, I know it's past Thanksgiving when this comes out, but I hope you had a great one.